In times of crisis, our true worship can come out. And this morning, we saw that this morning. Thank you, John Tisha. Thank you. We're in Joshua 24. As we continue our series in Joshua. And we're going to talk about today our families. Families in a time of crisis. I think we all can relate to this, especially right now during the time of COVID-19. That's one crisis that we're all facing together. And we're talking about families. I want everyone who is listening, whether here in the sanctuary today or watching online, and we're talking about single parents. We're talking about married parents. We're talking about people who are no longer raising children, grandparents. We're, we're talking about people who never been married. We all are part of God's family. We're all a part of this church family. And we need to feel secure as a family here at this place. Some years ago, we talked about this being a safe place here at Freedom Fellowship. And we want everyone who is a part of our family here to feel safe that this is a safe place. We all are a part of a family. The first institution that God created was the family. Before government, before anything else, He made man and He made a woman and He created marriage between a man and a woman. And from that marriage came children. And that was the family. So everything that we discuss here today is relevant to all of us, just not those who are raising children at the time. The family unit is the fundamental component of all societies. And God made it that way. That the family would be the center of the society, center of that nation. The family is the most important part of a culture. And as a family goes, so does society go. And the problems that we're facing in our society today are relative to this statement chaos, dissension, lack of respect for authority. All these things are tools of the Prince of Darkness, and it started with his attack on the family. These things just don't happen without some practice, and they begin at practice in a home. And we're all living in a time of crisis, and families are in crisis. Church families are in crisis. This pandemic and these issues of society have left none of us untouched. You think you may have the answer through politics. You think you may have the answer through opinions. But there's one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. And until we come back to God as a nation, we will continue to deteriorate. I've been married for 43 and a half years to a wonderful and loving wife and a loving mother. 
I have four children and nine grandchildren. But we have not been spared from times of crisis, not including COVID. This past week, we were all on our hands and knees praying for the safety of our two children in Louisiana. One of our children, our oldest son, was in the right in the middle of this hurricane as it came through. Seven trees fell all around his house and none touched his home. That's a blessing. Now, they don't have electricity, may not have it for a week, but they have their lives and they have their, their possessions. But that's the most important thing. The thing about it, though, we all face crisis, whether it's cancer, whether it's divorce, whether it's life-threatening traumas, unemployment. My family's faced all these things as well as yours. We're not immune. But the thing that has gotten us through, the fact that has gotten through these crises is our faith in God. That we believe in His promise. That He will take care of us. And He has. The book of Joshua gives us insight on how to work through these crises that we go through in life. These crises in our families. And Joshua was the appointed successor to Moses to lead the children of Israel. Israel had been in time of crisis for hundreds of years. They were in captivity in Egypt for hundreds of years. Moses leads them out and they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of their sin and iniquity. And then Joshua takes over the lead and carries them on into the promised land. Joshua was around 60 years old, 59, 60 years old when he took over this leadership. And now he has spent 40 years himself leading the nation of Israel as they are conquering and taking over these pagans that lived in the promised land. So Joshua knows something about crisis. And as Justin brought the lesson last week, he talked about Joshua 24 and the latter part of verse 15, as he says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That verse is popular. And it should be. But it's a portion of that verse. If we look at the whole verse and examine it, if you'll look at Joshua 24 and verse 15, Joshua says this, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or will be the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, he makes a statement that as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord as a choice because others had chosen to serve the world. They picked up on the, they absorbed the issues of, their, of the societies that they had conquered. But now Joshua is teaching them about choices. Now in chapter 24, Joshua is wearing three hats, so to speak. First, he's wearing the hat of the leader of the nation. Number two, the second hat he is wearing is a challenger of the people. The third hat he is wearing is the choice maker for the family. 
So in that, we are seeing the three components of family leadership. We, get, we have an example here of how Joshua was stepping up as the leader of the nation of how we should be leaders of our families. So here are the three components of family leadership. Number one, be the spiritual leader of the family. Number two, be the spiritual challenger of the family. And number three, be the choice maker for the family. Be the spiritual leader of the family, the spiritual challenger of the family, be the choice maker of the family. And the first thing that Joshua did is he began this section of talking to the people about choices. He called them all together. In Joshua 24 verse 1 says, And Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, their leaders, their judges, and their officers, and they all came and presented themselves to God. Do we bring our family together? In this day and age, we have a hard time sitting down at the supper table together at night. But what, notice what Joshua did. He brought them together to talk about these things. The importance of being together as a family as much as possible where you sit down and you can talk you can visit and share is so vitally important that's one of the things I can say we did right is that we sat down together when my children were growing up now they had to have assigned seats <laughs> but we made it work that we sat down and we shared. We just couldn't share very well if the wrong combination was sitting by each other. But we made it work. And it was our time as a family to eat, to talk, to share, to pray. See, what we don't do now is recognize the importance of being together. And we share that same mentality as a church family. Everyone doesn't see the importance of being together as a family, a spiritual family. There's no substitute for it. I've heard people, people have told me this. Oh, God and I have this understanding. No, you and God don't have understanding. You're, you're trying to have an understanding within yourself why you don't need God's people. The church was established by God for a reason. That His people would be together. And we're given opportunity for those who are not able to be here to be with us online. But the thing that concerns me is don't just depend on watching online. You can easily get out of that habit as well. We need to be together as a family. Because we need one another. The second hat that Joshua is fixing to address and put on an address as being the challenger. Now, Joshua's priorities, number one, God, number two, the people. It wasn't about politics. It wasn't about being popular amongst the people. He just wanted God's people to thrive. He wanted their faith to grow. 
And that's why he was successful as a leader. But here as he gets into the second phase of what he's going to address, he's the challenger of the people. He says in verse, the latter part of verse 15, then choose today whom you will serve. And as Justin talked about last week, he had told them, he revisited their history in the first 13 verses of Joshua 24. He talked about where they came from, what God had done for them, what God has done through them. He speaks about the blessings that God had given them. He talked about the difficulties and the challenges they'd all had faced together. And he speaks of the times of crisis. So in these verses, and if you were to open your Bibles and look through these verses, these are, these are some things that God said. Now God spoke through Joshua here and he says, I took, I gave, I sent, I brought you out, I brought you into the land, and I delivered you. These are all points that God makes as he speaks through Joshua. So when he got to that point where he went through all these things, then Joshua said in verse 14, So, or in some versions, therefore, so because of all the things that God has done, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Joshua was given very logical reasons why they should follow the Lord. Because of everything he had done for them. How much God had proved he loved them. And he's telling them, this is how you should respond. This is how you respond to God's blessing. That you serve him wholeheartedly. And this is how we should respond. And look at the same phrasing. If you apply it to us now. As God said, I took. I took you as you were. I gave you mercy and grace. I sent my son to save you. I brought you out of the world of sin. I brought you, I brought you into the promise that I had made you. I delivered you from eternal death. When we look at the Old Testament, we're seeing what is pointing toward Christ. As we look at this passage in Joshua 24, it's very relevant. It is speaking to us as just as much as it was speaking to those people then, thousands of years ago. And we look at what God has actually done for us and everyone here this morning is here because of Jesus Christ. When we look at that, that's reason enough. That's reason enough to commit ourselves to follow. Because of what He's done for me. He loves me that much. And the commitment that Joshua is demanding from the people is based on a logical result of blessings. You know, Paul wrote of the same thing in Romans 12. He speaks of this very sense of logic. You see, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans talks about God's mercy and His grace. 
And then he gets to chapter 12, and he begins this with verse 1 of chapter 12. Paul says, so, some versions, therefore. In other words, because of the mercies and the grace that God has shown us, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all He has done for you. Let them be living in holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is the way to worship Him. This is the way that we present ourselves holy and blameless before Him. That we serve Him only. We give ourselves to God based on all He has done for me. He has saved me. He has rescued me. That's why I serve Him. I love Him because of His love for me. We make decisions. Then our decisions make us who we are. I'm going to say that again. We make decisions. Then our decisions make us who we are. Do you agree? What decisions are you making during this time of crisis? During this time of COVID? What, do you, what decisions do you make in any time of crisis? Concerning your spouse, concerning your children, concerning the church. What decisions are being made? See, the children of Israel have been influenced by the society around them. That's why Joshua had brought them together. They were absorbing the pagan culture and blended it into their own belief system. That did not openly reject God. They just pulled in the world into their worship. They pulled the world into what they were believing. They brought these elements of society into their own culture. They'd adopted much of the lifestyle of the world and this was a problem especially idolatry and God dealt with it later on with a 70 year captivity because he made a promise to them you will not worship idols when this is done and they spent seven years as captive Babylonians and we see the similarities in our own culture we've allowed the culture of the world to invade our own Christian culture and we don't even realize it. How we view morality. A guy and a girl living together. They're not married. Now it's accepted. Nothing wrong with it. And having babies. Outside of marriage. How we view the murder of babies. How we view the murder of a nine-month-old baby. And we accept it in this society. God have mercy. How we view perverted lifestyle. Give them a flag of a rainbow. LGBT. It's simple. It's simple. And God won't have it. He wants people in that community to turn to Him, repent of their sin, and live for Him. And that's any walk of life where people are openly sinning. 
But the fact is, if we don't teach our children what is an abomination to God, they won't know what is. It's our job in the family to do that. It's our job in the family of God to teach that. Because I'm held accountable by a higher power than the United States government. How do we view soft porn? Call it soft porn. It comes on television. Christians don't openly reject God, but we're absorbing the culture. And we need to wake up. It's, we're, so, we're so trying to be politically correct. It's tearing apart some denominations. Don't lose perspective of what God says. So here's the question. What do you let influence you and your family? What are you allowing into your home? What is dictating the choices you make? So that's what we need to stop and think. And as diligent as we are being about COVID-19 and trying to protect our families from this, and, and it's, it's serious business. We have people affected in this church. We have fam- many of us have family members who have it, and it's awful. But are we as diligent as protecting our, our family from sin as we are COVID-19? Are we keeping our family safe from Satan? Are we involved in prayer and the study of God's Word as a family? You see? Are we more concerned about wearing, before we walk out of the house, putting on a mask or getting our Bible? Sounds really, it may sound trite to you, but it's not. Where is our mindset? You see? Joshua is telling the people make a choice. You've got to make a decision, and that's us. We make decisions, then our decisions make us who we are. So Joshua stands up and says, make a choice and make it now. Make it now. Who are you going to serve? What's it going to be? He says, so fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. And then, then choose today whom you're going to serve. He didn't tell them to go home and think about it. Choose now. And my challenge to you is, choose today. Who and what you're going to be. What is your family going to be? Now we can talk about being God first, but is He really first? Stop and think about it. Is he really the center of your life? If he was, we wouldn't let other things get in the way. Fear the Lord. That means being humble in all of his majesty. And know in your heart, know in your heart he has your best interest first. God has your best interest first in His heart. Because He knows the enemy. He kicked him out. And He didn't want the enemy to have you. So He says, I want you to make a choice. 
and follow me. See, the fear of the Lord is based on a relationship, not a set of rules. God didn't invent legalism, man did. Our fear of the Lord, our respect, our awe of God is based on relationship. My relationship with Him. So that brings us to the last of the three components. Being a choice maker. The third half that Joshua puts on. In verse 15 he says, after he addresses these things to the people, he says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Here's the overriding principle that the leader of the family has to make. Now let's be real. I'm talking about the leader of the family. It should be. It should be the man of the family. But unfortunately, many men don't step up. And there's also, we have divorced homes. We have blended houses. We have all kinds of things. But someone has to be the leader. If there are two parents who don't agree on the spiritual aspect, then one has to step up and lead the children as a spiritual leader. God didn't intend on divorce, but it happens, unfortunately. And there's also times where death occurs in a family. But the point is, you can't pass the buck by saying, well, I can't do this by myself. You better. You better step up. Because your children's lives are at stake. So here's the overriding principle that every leader has to make of the family is that, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, God's plan for passing truth from one generation to the next is this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, you can follow along in your Bibles. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. He said in verse 6, commit yourself to these commands. It is a command that we dedicate ourselves to God. That we love Him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And we fail at this so often. Because we put other things ahead of God in our own families. So it is the choice you have to make as a spiritual leader. Listen to me. As a leader of the family, you have to make choices for your family. And what I've done for a living for 40 years, I've had parents come to me and said, can you help me my... I can't do anything with my son. He won't, he won't do what I want him to do. And my first thing is, that car out there, who does it belong to? That boy's driving. See what it does to me? Then take it. Oh, I can't do that. So he made a choice not to be a leader. He let the kid lead him. 
But here, here is the choice that Joshua is saying. You have to make a choice. And if God's going to be first in your family, you have to make that choice to make it happen. Because you can't depend on Bible school teachers. You can't depend on anyone else, other family members. You have to do it. And in this day and time, nobody likes to be told what to do, do they? But God's telling you, step up. Make a choice. And our spiritual commitment should affect every other relationship we have in this world. And our spiritual commitment should influence every relationship we have in this life. Three components of family leadership. Three components, as Joshua teaches. Be the spiritual leader of your family. Two, be the spiritual challenger of your family. You know that sometimes you have to tell your kids no? That's that word that this society doesn't understand. No. Challenge them. If that's what it takes. Number three. Be the choice maker of the family. The family unit has to have a spiritual leader. The church has to have spiritual leaders. God designed the church to have elders. As spiritual leaders of the local congregation. We are challenging you. As an eldership. We are trying to lead you. As an eldership. And we're making choices after much prayer as an eldership to lead this church. You have to do that in your family as well. The hardest job in the world is being a parent, in my opinion. And it's even harder when they're grown. I could tell them what to do when they were growing up. Now... I tell, I tell them, you need to think about this. I admonish them. I love them. But it was much easier when I could tell them what to do. So you need to take care of business now, parents of children. Teach them now. Change what's going on in your life. Change what's going on in your family and be who you're supposed to be as a spiritual leader. Put God first. And some of your decisions, some of your actions will be unpopular. It will. Right now. But the benefits will be greater later. What all parents want for their children is to be with them in heaven, right? And people say, I just want them to be happy. Once you have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, there is no other way to have happiness. You will be miserable if you do not allow the Spirit to work in your life because that type of happiness is what God intended. And without the presence of the Holy Spirit going on in your life and leading you, you will be miserable because you've experienced the ultimate happiness. 
And only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can experience ultimate happiness and peace. And no matter what this world has to give, we all will have eternal happiness when this misery is over. We make decisions, then our decisions make us who we are. Let us pray. I'm going to ask the worship teams to make their way up. Father, you teach us so much about what you want us to be and how you want us to be and how to live our lives. Father, help, help us open our eyes to your word. Give, let us allow your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in our lives so that we allow you to be first. Father, give us the strength to be the spiritual leader of our families. Give us the strength to be the spiritual challengers of our family. Give us the strength to be the choice makers for our family. And I pray for the grandparents and I pray for relatives who care about what's going on in their extended families that they can lovingly give these, these components to their loved ones to help share how to lead families. Father, bless this church. Help us to always keep you centered in what we do. Never compromise your truth. Father, if we compromise, you strike us down. Thank you, Father, for how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.